Free advice, free advice, would you like some free advice? Free advice, free advice forever. Welcome to episode number 36, people. We are such mature adults. Yeah, I like three, six, because three is half a six. You go three, six, nine. And it's six squared. And it's... It's a perfect square. Oh, yeah. 36 mm-hmm. is six squared. Yeah. Don't okay. you just love it when it works out that way? I do. Yeah. I do. Say, do you have any advice you'd like to ask me for at the beginning of this episode? Um, that's a great question, Rob Zaleski. Uh, let's see. No do problem, I have- Morgan Beard. <laughs> <laughs> like I realize we stopped introducing ourselves. We're sprinkling shit. <laughs> but some people still don't know us. Sprinkle me. Some people are listening to this for the first time. Um, do I have any advice questions for legions you. of new fans in lithuania <laughs> <laughs> they've they've already started building the statues <laughs> yeah the soviet block is just littered with dark <laughs> heart images um well before we started recording i was in real time asking you for advice and that was a pretty lengthy issue so i feel okay probably we could do an abbreviated version of that all right um you so revisit something from yeah. off there yeah as Let's i was explaining it. to you um My grandmother, who is my only living grandparent and really the only grandparent I had a significant relationship Mm -hmm. with, uh, she recently, due to health issues, was moved from her apartment in her retirement complex to health care, which is where they have just more intense caretaking Mm -hmm. and signals a decline in her health. She's 98. So, you know, of course, um, but essentially this has given my um, mom, especially who is her daughter uh, and they don't really have a a close relationship. She's very involved with her life, but they're not close. Uh, The Mm. leverage to kind of try to get me to spend time at home um, and just kind of slightly make it about her rather than give me the information required to make my own decisions about how I want to, um, deal with, you know, the, the ending stages of my relationship with my grandmother, basically. So my question would be without getting involved in that, making, without making this issue about my mom and my relationship and and that dynamic, how do I communicate to her, um, my needs for, my relationship with my grandmother in order to close that out the way that I feel is best and uh, not let her ideas about what she would do kind of get in the way. She has a very, she does difficulty perspective taking. I think I understand Uh, my summary. You can correct me if I get anything wrong is you have a relationship with your grandmother that you want to honor and see her uh, before her health fails. Right. And your mom has her own schemes about what you should know, when you should know it, and when you should visit. Yeah, and what how you should do you with should, that information. How you yeah. should um, have a relationship with your grandmother. Yeah. And uh, that's difficult for you. Yeah. Okay. Because both of us are have not great relationships with her. Right. Got it. So she should not be your go-between. <laughs> no. It sounds like what you want is a direct line of contact or some other alternate um, yes. messenger yes. to contact your grandmother um, because you can't trust your mom to uh, be a 
reliable, un, unbiased. Like you just, it's there's for multiple reasons. Yes. You can't use her. Yes. So, but so more so like, how do I communicate with her? How, and how, how do, do communicate I communicate with, with, with my mom, mom about mm-hmm. this issue that she clearly doesn't understand? <laughs> yeah. I think you say, uh, I care a lot about my relationship with grandma and I don't feel like I can, um, communicate with her or coordinate my plans through you effectively. And I would like to use an alternative, whether that's go directly through the nursing home people or whatever living community is called or, um, through dad or through some other family member that Mm -hmm. has, is able to contact her. A bad idea. I think that's what you got to tell her. And she doesn't need to understand that. You can just say that. And if she wants to know why, you can save that conversation for later. You can give a short explanation or you can say, I don't want to tell you why. I just, this feels important to me. And so I'm going to ask for another person to help me uh, contact grandma. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think that's a great idea, not even involving her in that relationship. Um, Unfortunately, the problem I foresee is that that then gives her license to or, or gives her kind of like ammunition to be like, well, why? Well, what, what is it? She won't take like, Do you no have to answer, answer those answer. questions. Um, you know, in theory, as we're sitting here and I'm sitting across from someone who isn't looking at the issue like my mom would and isn't roping me into some emotional like power dynamic and like, you know, toxic kind of thing. It's like, yes, I could. When I actually get on the phone with her, who knows what the fuck I'm going to say. Do you have to answer her calls? She gets very upset when I don't. Is she allowed but to no. be upset? Yes. Yes. I, when, it's so interesting because I have such a blind spot when it comes to my mom specifically about these issues where it's like, you know, I can easily give someone else advice about it. I can easily know, you know, this is the right thing to do or this is within my rights. But like my mom has so little understanding of like boundaries, what that even is. She doesn't understand it. Yeah. Um, so when faced with someone like that it's, and, and that being my prior dynamic with her that I regress to so easily, it's actually very hard for me, even knowing all of that to step up to the plate the way that I want to. This is very so, common. Yeah. I speak to a lot of people, including people in my own family who feel this way about their mothers. Yeah. This is the person who gave you milk when you would have died if you didn't have it. Well, <laughs> Or some Sometimes. some version of that. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I just want to say that this is super common with moms that I have a blind spot with my own mom. It takes talking to other people to realize like, oh, the way that you're talking about this person, you wouldn't let other people treat you like that. Why? Right. You know, the, yeah. the mother might not be intentionally abusing you or intentionally holding you back in some way. I mean, it's nice to believe right. that everyone's mother wants the best things for them, but mothers have their own needs too yeah. and have their own uh, emotional wounding that they're dealing with. Totally. And so a lot of times that can be unintentionally um, damaging to the kid that they're mm-hmm. interacting with. So yeah. I'm really happy that you asked about this and what you said about having a blind spot and like yeah. seeing that you may need to assert boundaries with your mom that she's not comfortable with. And you can explain them as much or as little as you want. Yeah. I think that if your mom, whether she loves you or not, which I believe she does, mm-hmm. um, you, you got to look out for yourself. And that might mean less contact with her or less. You won't always be doing things on her terms. Yeah. That's yeah. that's going to be, you know, 
a, a super helpful attitude for you to take in dealing with all kinds of family events. If she's acting like the gatekeeper to family, right? then, yeah. okay, then you may not have access to anyone in your family if you don't get through her tests or pass her, you know, her needs first. And if you're not going to be meeting her needs, I think you got to go around her yeah. in order to like maintain other relationships if they matter to you, which is up to you. Yeah. I think that's putting it into perspective more clearly than what I was even aware of or articulating before of like, yeah, she's making herself this like gatekeeper to my relationship with her mother. And it's just not fair. And it ignores my, it ignores the significance of my relationship with my grandmother. Um, which, you know, I have, I have empathy for that scenario too, because I know that that's just not a kind of relationship she's capable of having with either of us. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate. So yeah, I think making it trying as hard as I can not to make it about her and my relationship with her and recognizing when that's going on and making sure that it stays about me and my grandmother Mm-hmm. Because I will be mad at myself too if my grandmother passes away and whenever she passes away, um, if I, if that experience and my processing of it is so deeply entrenched in me not asserting proper boundaries with my mom um, and missing out on the the type of closure to that relationship that I know that I need yeah. and I know that my grandmother needs. I think that this is really important work for everyone to do. Totally. Not just you. I think that if we're ever going to have world peace, if we're ever going to get along better with each other, it mm-hmm. starts with every person knowing themselves, knowing what they need and communicating that directly to the people who are closest with them. And this sounds like something that you need mm-hmm. or something that for you to be yourself and be a happy, loving member of a community. You can't go through your mom to access your grandma or access all other relationships that she might be, you know, tangentially related to. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there are other things, other boundaries like that, but this sounds like an important one with your mom. Yeah. And I think that so much of my childhood or relationships with family at all do, um, have in the past at least um necessitated this certain type of interaction between me and my mom that just is a distraction from the rest of it and a hindrance to the rest of it Mm. um yeah and it's it's unfortunate um and it really it it gives me a new perspective through which to like look at those things and think about you know in what ways am I still kind of like letting myself basically be bullied <laughs> um, into try feeling a certain way or doing a certain thing? Yeah. How old are you? Right now? Uh, no, three years from now. How old am I three years from now? Yeah. How old are you right now? <laughs> 29. <laughs> so 32 is what I was looking for. Yeah. Um. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, yeah. What do you think a person at 29, it's not even really a fair thing to say because it's not like everyone's the same at 29, but right, right, right. Well, theoretically a person who's 29 should have whatever kind of fucking relationship they want with anyone 
in their family than they want to. That's how I feel too. I mean, yeah. there's exceptions for people who have um, emotional or mental uh, developmental differences. They may sure. need a conservatorship. You don't have one of those. You legally are independent as an adult. Yes. You know, you're neurotypical by most <laughs> ways that people judge yeah. that. Yeah. So I think there's something I'm going through too. Um, it, it, a lot of people never do it or a lot yeah. of people do it when they're 16 or 17. They yeah. really like move out and cut off most dependence on their parents for any kind of, yeah. you know, there's, there's different types of dependence. You could be financially dependent. You could be emotionally dependent. You could be communicationally dependent. Like they could be your go between right. for other relationships. Um, I think figuring out your own values and your own schedule, your own priorities, that's something yeah. that some parents will um, really struggle to allow you to do in certain realms. Right. Maybe in all realms, but for me, that's been an issue like um, financially and travel wise, it's been tough for me to set boundaries about when I do want to travel, what I think I should spend money on, what money's mine versus families, you know, that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. It's difficult to navigate. And I think as people in our late twenties, it's some people would look at this and be like, what? I did that when I was 18. And right. Right. It's maybe it's, uh, uh what's the consequence of privilege? Maybe sure. it's part of the culture that we're a part of, but childhood adolescence has been extended in our culture to a large degree. Some people, some people still live with their parents in their forties and fifties. It's not, um, Right. necessarily like a clear thing that when you're 18, you move out of the house and you disentangle your life from your parents. There's a lot of different ways to do this. I think for the type of life that I'm trying to live, it's important for me to communicate boundaries and be able to have my own values and not see everything through the lens of my mother and father. And those are great lenses that I'm glad that I had available to me when I was a kid and as an adolescent. And now yeah. that I'm trying to be more of an independent adult, I think it's important for me to communicate to them like, Hey, that's a good value for you. And I have a different one. Like my, my Christmas or my relationship with this relative needs to be different from yours, or it needs to not be like seen through that filter that you see it through. Yeah. And I think that a pitfall that I end up falling into quite frequently is that I get so frustrated by the discrepancies between my, what my mom thinks and what I think that I often uh, am too reactionary against, or, or I come, I come out looking like I'm just doing something to go against her because it frustrates me so much. Yeah. Um, and I struggle to communicate the reasons why, because she won't tolerate them. She doesn't recognize them as valid. Sure. So then I, then I end up just looking like a toddler. Yeah. Um, Sounds do like I need her recognition? Some, some sense by you're expecting her to understand things Do that you've I learned. Need her recognition. Um, of it these depends. Things, validation is honestly really, it depends. Do I, for my own sense of self, no? But often, in order to accomplish certain tasks, yes. Sure. Um, what type of task? Can you give an example? Well, uh, okay. If I wanted her to pay for, for example, me to visit, like pay for that like flight, a flight home, yeah. You know. There, this is just an example. Like it would be like, okay, so some of the things I'm doing 
are on her terms. But then, you know, sometimes it's just she casts this really long shadow for such a small woman. Mm. Um, and I honestly, I revert back to being this like afraid child mm-hmm. um, because she's so harsh. Um, and it becomes more trouble than it's worth to stand my own against her. Um, obviously this is still stuff I'm like very much working through, but I think that like what will help me to get through the challenging nature of that is to remember that the important thing is my relationship with my grandmother and not, I will have more life to figure out my relationship with my mom than I will have to figure out my relationship with my grandmother. Yeah. And you already have had and have a relationship with your grandmother. And if something does happen where you're unable to see her, yeah, it doesn't take away from the, it doesn't have to, of course, the experiences that you have, the memories that you have and the meaning right. that you found in that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's tough because from my mom's point of view though, it's like, well, if you don't come home for this thing, then it's like, you're doing your, you're acting in spite of her or like, how could you do that to her? And it's like, don't put that in my head. Cause yeah. that's just not accurate. It's yeah. It's just, she yeah. sees the world so differently from me that it's hard to even find these points of like either acceptance of each other being different um, or walking away from that toxic dynamic. So yeah, <sighs> But I think I have some, I have some, um, some higher priority items that I can use to guide my communication on this particular issue. So I appreciate you, uh, taking the time to articulate it this way. You're welcome. I have one last recommendation. Sure. You probably already know. I don't know if you're practicing (laughs) it regularly. Sure. Sure. But, um, sounds like when she frustrates you, you often craft a, uh, well-intentioned and thoughtful uh, response of why these Uh things are frustrating and what you actually need. And then when you communicate this to her, whether it's written or verbal, she doesn't, uh, (laughs) doesn't seem to really try or doesn't seem to follow what you're asking. In that way. Yes. I do keep expecting her to validate something. I think you may have a need or you find it helpful to order these thoughts, especially like, Someone from with a long history, I think it's really helpful to when you're angered or when you're upset in any way yeah. by your mom, do write these things down. Do like make sense of it for yourself, but don't express it to her and expect any kind right. of response from her. You can express it to me, a friend yeah. who like sees the world more similarly to you, or you can share it with a therapist or you can just write it down, read it aloud and say, okay, that feels good to say and have that out of my head and in the world. And then you don't expect your mom to react to it. It's just, there is actually some healing that happens from expressing something that was stuck inside you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think I need to be more cognizant of when I'm getting entangled because I'm still discovering, you know, it's easy for me to coach someone or be a, 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 you know, an ear to someone else's issue and mm. identify like, okay, this is toxic. This isn't like, you know, kind of be, being that sounding board. And what then when it comes toxic? to your own shit, um, what makes something toxic? It's like a really, it's a buzzy word you these know, days. And yes. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, hesitant yeah. about it. And I, I'd love to hear your um, criteria for that. So the criteria as I see them is that are that the, 
I I imagine a uh, like a balance or a scale where, you know, it has two different arms and every relationship has some pros and some cons, like some things that fall on the good side, some things that fall Mm -hmm. on the bad side and and weigh them down. And some relationships, there are more rocks or grains of sand or experiences um, that are positive and the negative ones are trumped by those positives. And those are the relationships you want to keep in your life because they overwhelmingly bring you positive things. Sure. In a toxic relationship, the conflict is what primarily characterizes the relationship. The the push pull of the dynamic. Does it need to be outright conflict of people yelling at each other and their disagreements? No. Oh no, no, what no. Of course of not. It's about well, it's honestly about how the relationship makes you feel. Mm-hmm. How does that person make you feel predominantly? Yeah. And in, in toxic relationships that I've been in, that I've seen others in, <clears throat> excuse me, what happens is we hold on to this little grain of sand of oh, they made me feel this way or it felt perfect in this situation or they helped me through this one thing. But the day-to-day for the most part is I feel anxious when I'm around them. I feel depressed. I feel suffocated um, or we argue um, or all I feel is guilt. It's it's that the relationship or that person primarily sucks you into an emotional space that's unhealthy. That's my read on whether it's toxic or toxic means sucks you into an emotionally unhealthy space. Yeah. Cool. I think that's a pretty good, I think that's a pretty good encapsulation. Yeah. Um, and it's up to each person to decide, okay, what is the balance of this? You know, what is the balance of reward and conflict or problems? Um, am I predominantly joyful because of this person in my life or am I enslaved to some negative emotion because at one point there was joy or I'm chasing after um, validation from this person or something, something that keeps you coming back to a negative experience despite your appraisal that for the most part, it's bad. It can be toxic whether you appraise it as such. Of course. Or not, I think. Yeah. Of course. Of so course. Lot, for most of our toxic relationships. Continue because you're not in, conscious. Yeah. It, there was a time when we didn't think of it as toxic and it's, right. it was. And then we realized it at some point. Right. Like, oh, this is for me. It's um, whether it's uh, emotional health, I'll just define as like yeah. encouraging adaptive behaviors. Right. Totally. In thoughts and feelings. Right. So adaptive meaning helping the organism survive and thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Thriving. Um, I think. People are built or, or, or thrive best when they're moving towards love and away from fear and are not right. ruled by hopelessness and feelings of like just protect yeah. what little I have, that scarcity mind state. So I yeah. think a toxic relationship can be one that encourages a mostly fearful uh, view of the world. Right. Um, right. One Preventing that detaches from someone expanding. from their, their self or what they really mm. like and what they really care about, who yeah. they really are. Yeah. Um, so I think this is like uh, self-actualizing, man, somebody's really revving a car down oh there. Oh my God. Someone has to prove that they have a big dick. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about that. Let's um, talk about it. I mean, I don't always mean that, but sometimes I happen to know that the driver of this car is a woman <laughs> and <laughs> he a does woman, not <laughs> a woman without a penis. He does and not know that. I just want to like a lot of people say that, um, when someone goes down the street in a loud motorcycle or on a loud uh-huh. car, people will yell out with their, I'll be in the middle of talking with a friend. They'll go, Hey, I bet you have a big dick or something like yeah, that yeah, sarcastically. Yeah. What yeah. they're really right. saying is that person has a Compensating small Compensating for this thing. Yeah. And here's my complaint. As someone 
with a monster dong. <laughs> I often want to be loud and I want to take up space. And sometimes I want to, when I'm coming down Runyon Canyon, I want to run through the middle of the street with my arms spread and my head back. Yeah. And I enjoy that, like, here I am, you know? Uh, sure. Sometimes in the woods, I want to howl at the moon. Yeah. I want to do those things. And I happen to have a monster dong, too, as I said. <laughs> I don't think that it's fair to assume that just because a person is being loud, they have a tiny little pee-pee. <laughs> That's all. Um, no, of course not. However, the ideology, I do feel, stands yeah. of someone who has something to prove needing to take up, generally, more space. Because it's like there's that feeling of not getting not being seen that's been produced by over and over feeling small and feeling the need to prove themselves if i may um quote kendrick lamar you may on uh, you ain't got a lie from to pimp a butterfly he uh-huh. said, the loudest one in the room that's a complex yeah i think the quietest one in the room is a complex too maybe i think that both a wise super- man once said nothing mm-hmm. at all Aubrey there Graham. you go. <laughs> Aubrey Drake Graham, for those of you who don't know his name. Um, yeah, I think that like a superiority complex and an inferiority complex are kind of the same coin. It's still a complex, yeah. It's the same. It Why boils down to the same simple? idea. <laughs> I have a simple. I don't have any complexes. All right, next topic. <laughs> We have spent quite a while uh, on this. But I no, think we covered some good. good shit. People, people, it's it's almost Christmas. We just got through Thanksgiving. Yeah, most of us. Um, you know, this is the time of year that my therapist says he can tell that it's the holiday season, even if there were no calendars, even if the clocks didn't change and the weather didn't change. He's like, if you just look at how many appointments I get requests for, I know exactly when it's December. Yeah, because. Everybody's got family issues, relationship issues. It all comes up when you have to visit your family. Yep. Even if you don't recognize it as that, a lot of other stuff can come up around those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it might not be directly, but it's like the check-in of, okay, who am I, who's proud of me? Who's ashamed of me? Who am I on good terms with? Who am I on bad terms with? And how do I feel about those Who am I supposed to be with these people? Who am I allowed to be with these people? Yuck. Yeah, yuck, man. And that's you know, a lot of people fight with their spouses at this time. You know, there's a whole political like there's so many expectations of this. That's yeah. what it is. It's the subtle violence of expectations from many directions pulling on a person that, man, what are your expectations for yourself? Take a second to just step back from what your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, mom, dad, brother, sister, grandparents, what all those people want from you, in-laws, clients. What do you want yep. from yourself? Yeah. You know what? I want to yes. segue into Oh, I'm on the horizon. <laughs> oh, it's coming in quick. So the first lightning round question relates to this idea of expectations. Um and it comes to us uh, from Reddit user 101Wu7, or maybe LOLWu7. You can, I can never tell the difference between a one, a small L, yeah, yeah. whatever. Wu7 is probably Woot. Okay. Sevens don't look like T's to me. This is internet speak. I'll explain later. Okay, great. The question is, okay for best man to miss bachelor party? Question mark. I was asked to be my brother's best man, and I'm currently on the other side of the globe traveling for a year after quitting my job. With no job, funds are limited. 
two trips to and from the U.S., and the cost of the party will all total about $3,000. Is it okay to just go to the wedding? Thanks. What you have here, uh, first, thank you for your question, Paul Woot. Uh, what you have here is an opportunity to strengthen your relationship with your brother by expressing to him what you care about this engagement, what you care about in your relationship. Um, it sounds like you're excited to be the best man. Maybe you could talk about how you're honored. Um, and you have your own needs, which yeah. you sound like you need to express to him. And you're looking to strangers on the internet to tell you that it's okay to skip the, uh, what's this called, bachelor party. Yeah. Um, of course it's okay. You can be the best man and skip everything but the things that the best man has to do. Now, there may be people in certain subsets who say the best man is responsible for the bachelor party. Right. And maybe your brother has that expectation. If your brother wants that from you and you don't have the money to pay for it and you're willing to do it, if he pays for it, maybe you should ask for that. I think that could be a totally reasonable thing to say is, hey, I want to do this for you. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I didn't budget $3,000 to fly to the U.S. twice, and yeah. I don't have the funds to be there for your bachelor party. I'm okay with missing it. If you're okay with missing it, you can say that. Um, but if you want me yeah. there, I'd be there for your sake if you can pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Um, this person is like going ham with this car right underneath us. There's a garage right underneath where we're recording. I hope that... <laughs> I hope that it's not too much of an imposition for you guys. It's I mean, like an auto mechanics garage. With yeah, a it literally <laughs> feels like that. Um, so the other suggestion that I would have is similar to Rob, start with opening up a conversation with just like what is true for you, which is you're really honored that he wants you to be his best man. If that's the case, check in with yourself first. Make sure that is the case. Um, and tell him which of the best man duties you are able to fulfill and which you're not comfortable fulfilling or you're not able to fulfill. Yeah. Has he already asked you what and duties he wants you to do? Like, don't just assume mm -hmm. that I think yeah. there may be a cultural code wherever you are, but you know, figure out what, what's going to be the best wedding for him and probably his wife. Right. So that was the, what I was going to say. Tell him which of the best man duties you're comfortable doing, which of them you aren't. And then ask yeah. him if that's not sufficient, you should consider someone else to be your best man. If not, and it doesn't have to be this thing that I feel super guilty about, then I would love to do it. Yeah. There's no shame in being the second best man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He could have two best men. He could have one person who kind of chair is the chairperson for the bachelor party. One person that's more of the wedding related duties and split that among like a close friend and you yeah. or another brother. I don't know what his situation you, you is. You know how you've got a, a best friend who's just really solid, who you can count on for anything. And you know we'll be there for you if you're in like any kind of an emergency or a crisis. You know that type of relationship. Yeah, I do. And then you have another person who's actually fun to hang out with. And that's your <laughs> real best friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but you'd like never turn to if you needed help. Because <laughs> they're a flake, but you they're can, super fun. <laughs> yeah, you can have more than one best friend. That's all I'm trying yeah. to say. And the flake guy, maybe he's the right guy for the bachelor party. Yeah. Um, but no, it's definitely okay. Um, yeah. What is not going to be okay is mm -hmm. if you agree to something begrudgingly and then your brother is passive aggressive the whole time yeah. and, and is frustrated with you for not going to this and doing that, then that's no one having a good time. You want to you want to be really clear about the expectations, what you are genuinely happy to fulfill, yeah. what you are would struggle to fulfill, and 
make that decision together or let him mm-hmm. decide, okay, when you imagine your ideal wedding or your ideal bachelor party, which scenario is it? Yeah. I don't want to get in the way of that scenario. Mm-hmm. Start with gratitude and excitement about being the best man. Yes. Ask for the expectations rather than assume them. Yeah. And then if he expects something of yours, asking of something of you that you can't do, tell him nicely that you can't do it. I think that's perfect. And I think that's ask great. for help if he can help with money or with time or whatever, you know, ask if you can offload that responsibility to another person and still be the best man in name or best man for one of the parts and not for the exactly. other. Exactly. Figure it out in a way that works for both of you. And yes. At, uh, under it all, try to communicate from a place of, hey, I love you and I'm so happy you're getting married and I'm happy yeah. to be a part of it. Right, right. If that's the truth yeah, for you. Exactly. If it's not, don't do it. Don't go. Exactly. And at the end of the day, your brother should be the most excited and the most focused on the marriage that he's about to enter into and not, well, also, who did what? And expect ooh. that he totally won't be as the best man. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is very, very common. Weddings are fucking stressful for everyone involved That's in true. actually making them happen and the guests it's like a party for your guests i guess yeah uh yeah he he may have terrible cold feet and just be done with all of this bullshit by the time the actual special day rolls around like yeah <laughs> if you can help him take off some of the stress of that I think you're doing a great job as a brother. Right. That's the other thing. If you end up not being his best man because of this, there are still a million ways you can support him as his brother. That's a title. That's an outward facing appearance based thing. Yeah. You can be there for him, whether you're the best man or not, whether you're physically there for him or not, you can be considerate and give him something that he's missing. Whether that's like he's wrapped up in the stress of it or in the logistics of it, you can take some of that off his hands. You can allow him or invite him to something that would be like, Hey, here's a day without your phone where you can, get away from all of the flower choices and seating (laughs) arrangement schemes that your wife has been showing you or your husband um, and come out into the woods for a day, whatever it is, you know, whatever he's missing, you can offer him that. And as long as it's not a demand, I think it would be uh, something he would love to hear. Awesome. Cool. All right. So we got another lightning round question. Yeah. What we got hitting us, lighten us up. And this one is coming to us from Nick Chilson. All right. I know him. Yeah. Nick Chilson asks, Hey, Robin Morgan, I need some advice. My bathtub drain is clogged. And right now there's a few inches of standing water in there that smells pretty bad. I've tried plunging the drain and using a hand auger to snake the drain through the overflow cap, but nothing seems to be working. What should I do? I don't want to call someone else to fix this. I want to do it myself. I like to think of myself as pretty quote unquote handy, but this issue is a tough one to crack. Please help. All right. Um, I think it smells nasty. You want to take care of that before the air has you living in a literally toxic environment. <laughs> but how would you define toxic? Toxic as in it makes you sick. It yeah. hurts your health. Kind of similar definition. Anyway, go yeah, on. I, I mean, that's why the word is that. <laughs> it's, it's not like a weird coincidence we discovered. <laughs> uh, dude, here's what you got to do first. Get a bucket. Uh, a scooper, something that you can fill with water from the tub, pour that shit into the toilet and flush it. If, as long as you have some working drain, get the water out of the tub, put it in the working drain and get it out of your apartment so right. that you're working with the uh, empty tub and then you can start to try and fix it. Yeah, great now, stuff. How you fucking do that, I would go the route of Drano. Um, probably a plunger. I used something called an auger, which I've never done. That sounds like some type of yeah. snake tool, like yeah, a pipe cleaner. Yeah, must be. Um, 
I don't know. Through man. The o- but he's done it through the overflow cap. Yeah, I don't know what the overflow cap is. Obviously. Go right to the drain. <laughs> yeah, definitely try and put Watch something down video. the drain. Definitely go on YouTube and listen to a real person with his butt plumber. crack hanging out, not yeah. me and Morgan, whose butt cracks are <laughs> protected by layers upon layers of clothing and then shares. You can't, you can't see our butt cracks, especially because yeah. this is an audio podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, we're really not qualified, but we love that you wrote in, and we hope you keep giving us home improvement questions because we don't get a lot of these from our listeners. Yeah, and uh, this is probably a good example of why. <laughs> So in the way that you are wanting to snake into your drain and, and access something deeper, I'm actually going to go a level deeper. Yeah, let's into definitely this. make this because a metaphor. this is what we are. It's not even a metaphor. This is what we are okay. qualified to talk about. Yeah, talk about so it. So the first paragraph is that your bathroom drain is, bath, bathtub drain is clogged. Okay. The second paragraph is, what should I do? I don't want to call someone else to fix this. I want to do it myself. I like to think of myself as pretty handy. Ooh. So I would. I see where this is <laughs> <Yeah>. going. Yeah. <laughs> I would try to question your attachment to the idea that you're someone handy. Um, Not because you're not, but maybe this is an issue where it would just be easier. The easier route would be to call someone to fix it because they can fix it very fast. I want to, I want to question your criteria for being a handy person means that you don't call somebody for help. Great point. You can still think of yourself as a handy person and be attached to that. And I think it's a great thing to be attached to. Yeah. I think it's great to be handy. Um, uh, you don't have to feel less capable because this is an issue that's tough for you. And you've tried a lot of shit. That's pretty advanced. (laughs) Here's a quote. Um, sometimes I think my self-reliance is really just a way to figure out how to live without the things that I need. Dependent on others. Oh, that's mine. Okay, this is from a novel, and I don't oh, know sorry. why you interrupted. <laughs> fucking, this is published. You just decided that Morgan's gonna finish this one like in some type of impromptu <laughs> Mad Libs that we're doing. No, fucking yeah, no. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a quote. Yeah, yeah. This is this Rob Zaleski. I'm against improvisation. Fucking, this is. <laughs> Listen, I didn't hear the part no, where you said okay. it was a quote. I'll admit it. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you were checking for your butt crack. Maybe worried it was hanging out. Um, here's a quote. I have a dream that one day little black children. And then do you want to just fucking finish that? Do you want to take the wheel on this too and and correct Martin Luther King? Huh? No, you know, I made a mistake and I'm really enjoying getting bullied over it. (laughs) Yeah, you are. You love that shit. I'm not. I'm a little masochistic, but not that masochistic. I missed. uh, I thought that you taking off your shirt was a display of like, I'm wearing a really thick sweater (laughs) and I'm suddenly really hot and I don't have an alternative way of dealing with that. Maybe. Uh, Probably contributes. No, I was already a little hot. Okay. okay. Anyway, cool. I miss, sorry. I miss I'm red sorry. Signals. Listen, I'm sorry that I I thought you were I blacked out during the part where you said it was a quote, and I mm. thought you were just you sharing your drinking. experience. <laughs> Stop drinking and blacking podcast. out during the podcast. <laughs> okay, so this person said, "Yeah, um, sometimes I think my interest in self reliance is really just me figuring out how to live without the things that I need." Yeah. This is uh, the main character from this book that I'm reading called uh, Nothing to See Here by Kevin mm. Wilson. I will say it sounds like something you would say. Well, I I relate to the main character. <laughs> and it's tr- it's something yeah. that a lot of people do a lot of the time yep. is, oh, I'm going to be self-reliant. And really, I just fucking need this thing. Like, what would the actual cost to you be? I bet you could figure out a way to do this for free if money is a, a concern. Yep. I bet there's a way you can figure out how to do this 
for less time than you're investing in it. Right. Right. Uh, what's the real, what's this about? Can, do you need this to prove that you're capable and worthy and a master of your domain? Don't you receive help from other people for other things? Did you wire the electricity in your apartment? Did you install your own plumbing? <laughs> no, man. You didn't. <laughs> I know you. I've been to your place. <laughs> if, if it was your craftsmanship, it would be duct tape wires on the walls. Yeah, or maybe yeah. you just loose hanging. Uh, I'm not trying to shit on your ability as an electrician. I'm sure you're great. However, just ask for professional help, man. This is something that you need. Yeah. I hope you get it. I hope that you got it already because we got this question a fucking long time ago <laughs> and it's probably irrelevant for us to even be answering it. But listen, but, the relevance is yes, this, you probably did have to call someone for help. Mm -hmm. And I also want to validate that that's okay. Mm -hmm. You tried your independent solutions, which a lot of people wouldn't even try. So you can still, like Rob said, you can still think of yourself as someone handy, someone capable. Um, and the be the best professionals know when they need help from another professional. Here's something that I'm going to recommend. Splitting your needs. You have a need to fix something in your apartment to feel that you uh, are handy. And you have a need to get the stinky water out of your tub. What if you, Which is more important. No. What oh. if you solve both with different <laughs> solutions? Okay. What if you get somebody to help you with the stinky water for free yep. or yep. look up help online for free or whatever you're going to do? Yeah. Or pay somebody even if it's worth the money yeah. to you, which it very but well may be. But, but honestly, when, I mean, I know for me, yeah. when I have an issue with drainage in my apartment because I rent, like they want the you landlord. to get rid of it as yeah. soon as possible. Yeah. They want you to tell them so tell, that they can send someone to Yes, definitely <laughs> fix tell it. the landlord because they don't want to deal with the They don't want to have a leak damage. in someone else's yes, yes. unit, whatever. They're responsible for this if you yeah. rent, which you do, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, that's solving problem one and then solve problem two by fixing yeah. up something else. Do a little project, a project where you install a hook for your jacket on the door, install a little cup yeah. on the wall where you keep your pens when you're near where you write, do something like that where you just like get a hammer, get a screwdriver, get whatever out and modify something in a way that it makes it more useful to you. And yeah. you will feel like the handyman that you know you are yeah. and you won't have shitty water in your bathtub anymore. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> And of course, my little little addendum to that is look into where that need to feel handy or do it yourself comes from. What, no, what get I was, drunk instead. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to make a whole thing of it. It doesn't have to become the crux of your life. But when something like this comes up, for me at least, I'll ask myself, oh, where does this come from? Who in my life has modeled that this is really important or essential? Oh, yeah. Definitely check out your dad and your role models and and see what they shit. do and, and yeah. figure out if that's still useful to you. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can put it down for the, maybe this is not the right tool to use a hammer on. You know, maybe this is the tool that you want to use a magnifying glass or a feather or just, you know, yeah. maybe this is the situation. It's not, um, not a nail. But yeah, thank you so much for writing to us and leaving yourself vulnerable for yeah. this type of advice. Oh yeah, <laughs> probably for not the advice the you were. This shit. <laughs> not the advice you were necessarily <laughs> hoping for, but no. left yourself open to by writing to us, and we really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you seem like a badass boss. Oh, he's a boss. So. Oh yeah, one other on thing: that. move out to LA. Yeah. All right. Come be on our podcast. For real. Get on here. I'd love to hear your advice. All right. Uh, can we get one more quick lightning round? Yeah, I would love to. Let's do it. Um, I foresee it potentially not being super quick, but I love it so much. We have to do it. All right. Let's make it the main question. Fuck it. <laughs> All right. This question comes to us from Prawlwell76. Prawlwell. The subject line is rocks from Grand Canyon. Mm. 
So I went to Grand Canyon where I went to Skywalk and et cetera. And I took some small rocks. Some had the red soil Mm. that was laying on the ground or the mountain floor because I like collecting rocks. Dude, me too. I don't travel much. And this was my first time in a national park. I did not know it is not allowed to take rocks from there. When I found out on the way home, I felt incredibly guilty and just had a heavy heart. I read people would mail them back because of bad luck or because of guilt. My family said I should not worry because I don't know and it's been done. But I can't get rid of this heaviness on my chest as well thinking I might get bad luck. My question, should I keep them or throw them away or return them? And of return, how do I mail them? And can I mail anonymous without revealing my name or address? Please offer me advice as this guilt is taking a toll on me. Oh, thank you for that question. And thank you for being such a beautiful person. Yeah, it's so sweet. You care a lot. And it's something that I'm touched by because I don't see it that often. I'm more I'm more often exposed to the people who pee in public and put graffiti on landmarks and are destructive because they're upset at the world and the way that it has served them. And it sounds like you're a more gentle and thoughtful person than most people yeah. that I come across. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you inadvertently done something that's frowned upon, but a ton of people do and also don't know that it's not a rule. It might even be illegal. I don't think that it is, but maybe it is. I don't know. It might be against some code. Here's the deal with rules and laws. It only matters if it's going to be enforced. This is not going to be enforced. That's a good point. The reason it's there is because if everybody took a bunch of rocks, especially people who want to profit off of these rocks and filled several bags of them and then moved back to Europe and sold them at a three time, you know, any crazy markup um, or even cheaply it would destroy the beauty of the Grand Canyon. And you have taken maybe 0.0000001% of the beauty of the Grand Canyon away from it. And you've relocated it to some place in your To remind you of how beautiful the experience was for you. Well, it's not doing that right now. It's reminding (laughs) you of your belief that you've done a bad thing and perhaps that you are guilt that you are um culpable that you are to blame that you should be punished or you should yeah feel bad um i yeah. think you can forgive yourself of that and i hope that you do i hope yeah. that you keep the rocks and you love them and if you care about this rule in the future you can when you visit national parks or places of interest like that um you can uh leave them intact and perhaps clean up other people's litter, carry a little Ziploc bag with you. And that would be a way of offsetting whatever kind of damage yeah. you worry that you may have it's done to the Grand idea. Canyon. It's something that I like to do when I'm hiking is just to have a little bag for trash. And if people have beer cans or whatever left around campsites, pick them up so that it's a little bit better. It, better is subjective. I, <laughs> I was in, yeah. can I do a quick diversion? Of course. It's going to be real quick. Sure. I was, I was doing this <laughs> at a favorite hike of mine. Um, yeah. There was a bird that was kind of playing with like the wrapper around an Aquafina bottle, that little plastic thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I grabbed the Aquafina thing and and moved it into the trash. And I made a joke about how the bird's probably pissed because that was like the piece of its nest that was going to save its baby bird's life. Like oh, the bird's like that wasn't that wasn't recycled. That wasn't like trash. That's that's the best type of cast you can make for a baby bird with a broken wing how dare you steal that cast from me like we think that you know it's it's a human-centric thing of like oh it's natural it's good but really birds might prefer that you that you give certain types of litter to allow their nests (laughs) to have those things you know it might actually be killing the bird but then in that case 
maybe it's more natural for that bird to die and for the birds to stay more adapted to an environment that doesn't have trash in it. It's a, it's a long and complex ethical issue, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, that's the whole diversion. That's it. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's really cute and, and shows the whimsy of like, basically we have no idea the impact that this action has. Um, we've and I, decided collectively to keep the national parks, uh, in their original state as much as possible. Right. That's right. our goal. Because there are people who really do wish to exploit those environments mm-hmm. and not keep them around for other people to yes. enjoy. And you are not one of those people. Um, you are just someone who really enjoyed the beauty of it and cares deeply, obviously, about preserving that. And I think that's yeah. amazing and noble. And I don't want you to burn out on that ideal over some rocks. Um, and I think what Rob said was so great about the fact that they're currently in your presence is causing you more harm than good. You have a toxic relationship with these rocks now, essentially. And so my recommendation actually, rather than causing yourself so much stress over mailing them and anonymity and all that, or holding on to them and keeping them as a reminder of this experience that is stressful for you. If you can, I mean, of course, if you can find a way to feel less guilty, then you can hold on to that reminder. But I would recommend actually, um, as sort of borrowing from my art therapy sensibility is I think that it would be great for you to do something with those rocks or Mm. say goodbye to them in a way that really honors the experience that you had with them and honors your commitment to nature. So take them outside in an environment that you love and arrange them in a certain way Um, or, you know, cover them in flowers, just doing something that, for you helps you kind of process the experience of giving it back into nature in a way that's beautiful, but also temporary and, you know, kind of lays the experience to rest for you, but also returns them to the earth in a symbolic Mm -hmm. way. That's my recommendation. I like either of these plans. Yeah. I think there's more growth perhaps. It depends on what your needs are. I don't know you as a person, but if this, if you tend to feel guilt about things Commonly, if you worry that, uh, let's say this, if you seem like the type of person who has trouble taking up enough space for themselves or meeting their own needs when you know that other people's needs are um, on the line as well, then I would recommend trying to use these rocks as an opportunity to forgive yourself and allow yourself to have taken this thing for yourself. I own... I've taken a lot of rocks from public parks. Me too. Uh, There's no bad luck. I have incredible luck. I have very good luck. (laughs) The bad luck that would come from this would be the guilt that you feel about it is causing the bad luck. It's not uh, some mystical property within the rocks. It's taking a toll on you. Yeah. Yeah. My rocks are good luck for me and I'll rub them because just because I believe it, there's no actual uh, physical truth to any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so you could turn these lock, rocks into a good luck charm, or you can practice letting them go, saying goodbye to them. I think either way is yeah. a great option. Yeah. Um, nobody's going to come after you and go get you for this. Uh, yeah. You don't need to mail them. If you are going to get rid of them, I think it might be nice to give them, if you know a child who hasn't been able to go to the Grand Canyon, but would think it's cool. Or anyone. Anyone, but especially a person younger than you. I think it could be cool to give them these rocks and they don't have the association and the guilt associated with it. And that'll feel good for you to get rid of them and good for them to be like, Hey, this is a special rock yeah. from really the coolest place on earth perhaps is the grand Canyon. Yeah. And this is a little piece of that. 
I had a piece of the Titanic's floor when I was a kid. It was a piece of, that's what they told me at least. And yeah. It was like, you know, sold that way. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a little chunk yeah. of like, this was part of the metal from the Titanic. And it came back and I was like, I would hold it and I would think about the people on the boat. And I was like, this is oh. so cool that this was underwater yeah. and then somebody brought it back up here. So that might be really cool for a kid. And it, then, you know, you're, you don't have to be reminded of this thing that you did if you don't want to go the route of trying to forgive yourself. Yeah, I love that. And I also, I have a couple of personal anecdotes that yeah, I want to yeah, share yeah. Please, about this. Please, please. So the first one is that uh, when I was little, I uh, went to a restaurant on vacation with my family and I accidentally walked out of the restaurant with the cloth napkin that was sitting on my lap. And I didn't realize I was holding it. And I walked, you know, we walked a ways away from the restaurant. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm still holding the napkin from there. And I remember feeling so ashamed. Yeah. And so guilty. And I bet my family thought this was funny. So then they laughed about how I was feeling about it. And then I felt even more embarrassed and cried. And I was just so upset with myself for doing this. And oh my God, how could I have allowed this to happen? And I felt so careless. And I felt like the world was going to come down on me. I mean, I think we walked back to the restaurant and returned it. Or maybe we Mm -hmm. didn't even. But it demonstrates that we can really work ourselves into feeling like this is so much more of a big deal than it really is. Things go missing from restaurants all the time. Restaurants buy extra pens because they know people are going to pocket them when they're signing the check, Mm -hmm. things like that. Like the Grand Canyon obviously doesn't have someone who is taking inventory quite like that. But I think the world has some karmic flexibility for these things. And it would be a real shame for you to, compound the emotional experience you're having or continue to yeah. over something that is significant. I, I, I think that's the other thing is, is like the fact that you care of so much about it, that's a beautiful thing. Um, but to let that kind of eat you from the inside out, is just not worth it. You are worth more than yes. that. And you strike me as somebody who has a lot of gifts to share the yeah. world and don't hold yourself back because you did this one thing and dwell on this and spend any more energy than is necessary on it. Go yeah. back out there, go to another park, yeah. clean up a little bit of trash, share the beauty of the park, uh, take yes. pictures or bring somebody along and help them see the world through your eyes because it's a beautiful way of looking at things. Yeah. And so the other little story slash confession yeah, yeah. I have is that I went to Machu Picchu with my parents when I was a senior in college over our winter break. And obviously we were told not to take any rocks. I have a rock over there, like yards from where we're sitting um, from Machu Picchu. And I wrote on it, Machu Picchu 2012. And it's a memory that I love and cherish. And Can I take it? Well, if it you feel like it would be significant to you. I think so. <laughs> yeah. It'd be the rock that I took from Morgan's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I like Machu Picchu also for rule about taking rocks out of my apartment. What do you say? I like Machu Picchu also have a rule against oh, taking well, rocks really from their apartment. Those rules, yeah, exactly. No, but my point is, look, like I could choose to feel <laughs> yeah. guilt about it. And I, to some extent, maybe I do because of what Rob said, if everyone did that, there'd be no Machu Picchu. And I do have some, okay, I have to grapple with some sort of cognitive dissonance around like, Oh, what? So you think you're so special. You get to break the rules, whatever, whatever. And I, I could go down that guilt loop with myself. However, that rock does sit there and remind me of, a trip that I had, a trip that actually wasn't that great. I'll take the rock. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a person younger than you who's fascinated by rocks. And I think it would make you really happy to give it to me, whether you want to or not. So I'm going to do it. You are welcome to take it. I'm yeah. not that attached to it. Um, my point was just that like we can, to some extent, 
decide how we feel about something. And maybe mm-hmm. over time your feelings will shift. Um, and I kind of, I kind of want to just, I, I think we want to make you laugh too, because to, to lighten your load a little bit, yeah. to lighten the scenario, yeah. you're not a bad person, even though we can't, we can't be the, no one else outside of you is the arbiter of that. Mm. But Same we all you. make mistakes. I stole a rock. I was explicitly told not to, and I did it anyway because it meant something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and do I think I'm a horrible person for that? No. Do I think it was the right thing to do? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're allowed to have moral confusion. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing we can model. Yeah. <laughs> and doing one bad thing doesn't make you a bad person, even if this was bad thing. Yeah. Even if it was worse than this. Yeah. You've done other things do a lot worse things and in your life. You're, you're not worthy or unworthy because of the things that you do. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All Thank right, you guys. so much for writing. Ah, it's been a great episode. Thank you, Morgan, for <laughs> talking the way you did, listening the way you did, picking the questions that you did. I just really enjoyed this with you. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it too. I uh, really appreciate your advice for me in the beginning mm-hmm. and the careful consideration with which you always look at our listeners' quandaries. Thank you. You too. Yeah. I hope you guys have a fabulous, fabulous day, night, weekend, evening, whenever the fuck you're listening to this. You're going to sleep right now. Whatever (laughs) else you're doing, fall asleep. You just pull over. Uh, (laughs) Good night. And don't forget to write us with your questions. Free advice podcast at gmail.com. What's that? Free advice podcast at gmail.com. Ooh, I'm looking forward to those Christmas questions. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, we might not get to you to the new year. But when you send us these questions this December, when you're sitting at home twiddling your thumbs on Christmas night, like what the hell are you supposed to do on Christmas night? I'll yeah. tell you what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get your brand new flashy new iPad Pro stylus <laughs> and you're going to handwrite a question with the stylus to yeah. freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. And we're going to have to decipher it and be like, I wish they just typed this. But okay, I'm <laughs> happy you got this new toy. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's what you do Christmas night. And your question is going to be like, hey, man. Uh, how the fuck do I deal with my family? <laughs> we're like, I know. And right? we're like, we don't know. We're dealing with ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we'll see you then. We look forward to it. Yeah. It's easy if you don't love them at all. You just. The <laughs> 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 problem is, you probably love them and it's probably difficult. <laughs> all right, guys. Yeah. Um, we'll see you uh, next week and then again next year. Bye.